Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Man, it is really good to see you guys. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas. If, um, if you were not here over Christmas, you really missed out. Oh my goodness, it was incredible. We had over 80 people give their lives to Christ um, this Christmas season. Is that not cool? That is awesome. So definitely, if you missed out, um, please check it out online. Um, Lynn had this really cool thing, which I don't know how this rates with me, but he had stuff that spelled things out, and I tried to convince the band to stay up here and do spell something out for me, but they weren't feeling it. So you just get me this morning. Um, glad that you guys are here. Hopefully, um, we're going to do something that's, that's um, a passage of Scripture that you've probably heard tons of times in church, but I think we're going to take a, just a different angle on it. So if you have your Bible, we're just going to jump right in. Go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, and we're just going to kind of dive into this. Um, Lynn said something this last, this last weekend that, that really has just resonated with me, and I, I can't get it out of my mind. He said, what if God's interruptions are really an invitation? Um, and, I, and it's one of those things that he said, and I don't know if he really thought, well, of course he did, because he's Lynn. He thought through that. That wasn't just something he said. Um, but it, what if God's interruptions are really an invitation to us? What if the things going on around our life really is God's way of getting our attention because he has something that he wants to invite us to be a part of, and if he didn't do something drastic, we might miss it. Do you, do you pray for, like, God, show me, show me a sign. If, if there's something that I'm supposed to do, God, give me a sign. Let me know if, if this, it's almost like um, Gideon, where you're like, God, please let this, you know, I'm going to throw dirty underwear on the floor, and tomorrow morning it's clean, then this is the sign that this is what I need to do. Um, that's my dating life. God, if this is a girl for me, please do something drastic. I'm so I know. We pray that way sometimes. What if some of the interruptions that's in our lives are some of those signs that we pray for and we just have missed that? There's this really cool story in Matthew 14. We're going to start in verse 22. And it goes through with just really an everyday, what these guys did on an average normal day in their lives. And it drastically changed one of them. And one of them did something that really only two people now in existence have ever done. Um, start in 22 with me in Matthew 14. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When, every, or when evening came, he was there all alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, now there's, there's several things in here we need to look at before we dive into the story. Let, let's set this up just a little bit. It says that Jesus got the disciples in the boat um, while he dismissed the crowd. If you back the train up just a little bit, this is right where Jesus is on the hillside, and there's over 5,000 people, and he feeds them with just a couple pieces of bread and a couple pieces of fish. Uh, this is that really cool moment where there's all these people gathered on a hillside, and Jesus is preaching to them. He's, he's doing this, this amazing just ministry to these guys, and this incredible miracle takes place. That, that's, that's the crowd that Jesus is dismissing. And if you look at this, look, there's some words I don't want you to miss. Um, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples. Uh, I looked this word up, and in the Greek, this word is actually something with intention. It's with an urgency. It's Jesus saying, hey, guys, get in the boat right now and go. It's not asking them, hey, that was kind of cool what we did on the hillside. How do you guys feel about a boat ride? Why don't you, would you like to hop in? No, it's not that. It's Jesus going up to him and going, hey, get in the boat now. And I don't know what you do, but if God says, hey, get in the boat, you had better be in a boat. I don't, I don't see the disciples looking back at Jesus and going, 
are you sure? I'm kind of sick of the, the water. You know, uh, my friends call me Popeye. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Jesus, I, the boat, really? No, Jesus made them get into the boat. And if you, if you read this through, it, right around verse 24, it says, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. This is a really nice way of saying that this boat was in the middle of a storm. Jesus makes the disciples get in this boat, and then the boat is out in the middle of this, the Mediterranean Sea, it's out in the middle of this body of water, and it's buffeted. It is being attacked by wind. It is being attacked by waves. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat that's been attacked by the wind, but it's, I can't imagine that as being something that's comforting. This isn't the sort of sleep system where you're just being rocked gently back and forth by the waves. It's buffeted. It's, it's being attacked. It's being... It's being pushed by the waves. And, and there's, there's something in here that I don't want you to miss because we do have New Year's coming up here in just a couple of days. And many of us will make New Year's resolutions that we have no intention of keeping, but we're going to do that because that's what we do. This is one that we should work on. If you notice right here, it says in verse 23 that after Jesus dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I don't know what your New Year's resolutions look like, but if you're looking for one, if this is important to God, where the Son of God has to get up by himself and spend time alone in prayer, that may be, I don't know, that may be something we want to do this year. So I'm just going to challenge you. If you're looking for a New Year's resolution, spend 15 minutes a day listening and speaking to God and looking for where he's at in your life. That would be a great way to kick off 2013. Jesus makes the disciples get in the boat the boat is out somewhere now, and it's being attacked by waves. And this goes directly against everything that, that we're hearing in, in some circles where, man, you accept Jesus into your life, and, and everything is just smooth sailing. Man, all you have to do is just trust Jesus, and then, like, every light turns green. It, it's the most great. And all the parking spots, you pull into the store, and there's your spot right there. Like, they saved it for you. It's just God's grace in your life. You get a raise at work. The minute you accept Christ, your house becomes painted and you never have to mow your grass. It's, it's incredible. Your kids listen. Um, oh, gosh. It's one of the biggest lies and one of the biggest, I think, attacks that Satan is throwing at us is that, man, you, those 88-plus people that gave their lives to Jesus this last, this last Christmas just a couple weeks ago, your life is not going to be easier. Oh, tr trust me, it's going to be better. Oh my goodness, you now have somebody fighting in your corner with you that, that creates out of nothing. But life on this planet does not get easier. And if you, if you look at this, and we're, we're tearing this apart, Jesus makes them get into a boat that's going to be attacked. And think with me for just a minute. God knows everything. Do you think that Jesus knew that the waves were about to attack the boat that he was sending his friends out in? I don't doubt that he did. I think that Jesus knew that, hey, you guys get in this boat right now and go. I, I honestly feel like Jesus knew that in just a few minutes, these guys were going to be out there rowing for their lives, saying things that Christians probably shouldn't say, wondering if they were going to make it home, and, and, and scared to death. And yet he makes them get in the boat and go out there. Definitely something to think about. Look in verse 25. Verse 25 says, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And, and this is kind of cool. Um, Jesus sends them out, but then Jesus goes out to them. I, I don't know what that does for you, but that's kind of a cool thought. Jesus sends them out and then follows them out there. 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. This storm that kept the disciples awake all night, it, it says that during the fourth watch, which was usually um, probably right between three and six o'clock in the morning, Think, think for just a second, those of you who have been in church for a while, the disciples, most of their profession was what? Fishermen, right? The majority of them. Um, they lived in an area around fishing boats, and even the ones that weren't fishermen most likely grew up fishing and grew up on the lake and had spent several, several hours, probably days, some, just a ton of time in boats. This was a storm that was bad enough that it kept these guys up until three to six o'clock in the morning, struggling with the boat fighting with the wind, fighting with the waves, fighting to keep the boat alive, fighting to keep the boat afloat, scared to death that at any moment a wave was going to crash over the side and the boat was going to sink, bailing water, rowing just as hard as they can to get to the other side of the lake. And Jesus just strolls out. It, it's, it's funny to me that the storms that keep us up at night aren't really scary to Jesus. The things that, that terrify us, the, the storms that we dive into that, that we're so, man, we're, we're worried about that keep us up, that we, we have no idea how we're going to make it through, God just strolls out. And I, I love this because, again, I'm, well, I'm a youth minister, so my mind is obviously a little bit, it's not right. Um, <laughs> I see Jesus whistling and just kind of walking out, maybe doing a little Frank Sinatra, fly me to the moon, and I'll, walking out on the water, and the disciples are scared to death, and they see this, and, and think for just a second, you're out in the middle of a lake, and you look on the horizon, and you're scared, dude, you're bailing water, you're rowing, your arms hurt because you've done this for several hours, your stomach is in knots, you probably have thrown up three or four times just from seasickness, and, and being in that moment, and you're sitting there, and you look out, and you see somebody just kind of, hey, how you doing, walking out on the water, you would be terrified. Because I read this at first, and I was like, what sissies, man? These guys are men, and they're terrified of Jesus, really? But think about it for a second. They're in the middle of a place that somebody shouldn't be walking on water, and somebody's walking on water. And, and I love this because, to me, it just shows that God has a sense of humor. Because he could have done anything. He could have just instantly, like, poof, and been in the back of the boat. Th this is God we're talking about. He could have made a boat out of, I don't know, out of toothpicks. And, and made it, just kind of went out beside him. He could have done whatever. He could have been swimming and like backstroking out there to him. But no, what does God do because he's cool? He walks on the water and just strolls out and is like, hey, how you guys doing? And they scream. I can't wait till we get to heaven. I, I don't know what heaven does for you, but for me, we get to see all of this. And in my heaven, I'm gonna have this huge bucket of popcorn and this really big lazy boy, and I'm gonna be like, God, show me that thing again where you walked on the water. I, I wanna watch that. And I'm gonna have the TV thing where they all scream, and I'm gonna pause it and look at Peter and John and those guys and be like, ha ha, look at your face. <laughs> um, because I think that's, that's gonna be cool, and that's part of what heaven is like in my mind. Um, I can't wait to see this story unfold. I can't wait to, to see Jesus walking on water and these grown, manly, barbaric men scared for their life, screaming like little girls at Jesus walking on the water. And I love what Jesus says. Man, Jesus just walks out and is like, hey, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Hey, you bunch of sissies, quit screaming, it's me. What are you doing? This story is, is one of my favorite um, because I hate water. Um, I 
can't swim. I'm 42 years old, and I still can't swim. I, I can do something in water that resembles swimming, but I don't go anywhere. Um, and I've, I've tried really hard, and, and for me, my, my fear of water dates back to when I was a kid. When I was in probably maybe the fifth grade, I remember my two brothers wanting to teach me how to swim. And they did the thing where, let's just throw him in the 10 foot, and he'll learn how to swim. And all I remember from that moment is my brothers talking, and all I remember them is them saying, hey, that didn't work like I thought it would. And I, don't, I blacked out somewhere in there because I remember being thrown into the pool and I remember looking up from the bottom of the pool and I remember thinking, this isn't swimming. Um, and I took lessons. Uh, I, I was at a church in Arkansas that was surrounded by water and the, the pastor was like, man, you gotta learn how to swim. What if we're out somewhere with the students and somebody's drowning? I'm like, dude, I'll pray for him. He's like, no. <laughs> um, you, you gotta be able to jump in and save that kid. So they put me through swimming lessons and one of the scars that I bear, and this is, this is really why I feel like I don't want to even learn how to swim. I, I walked into swimming lessons, and a 60, maybe 70-year-old woman wearing a bikini walked out to teach me how to swim. And there are several things that a 60 or 70-year-old person shouldn't wear in a bikini should be at the top of that list. I have some deep-rooted therapy issues that terrify me of the water. I see water, and I, I think 60-year-old bikini, and... Um, and not just women, men, you shouldn't wear a bikini either, 67 years old. We need to change that. That's a New Year's resolution for all of us right there. <laughs> Terrified of water. I would love to be Jesus and to have the power to not have to worry about swimming and just to walk on water. I love how the storm was big to just the disciples, but to God it was just a walk in the park or on the water. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. This to me is the most profound statement in this entire story. If you back, back up to the beginning, it says that Jesus made the disciples which if I remember right from my VBS, there were 12 of them. So Jesus makes these 12 men who have seen God do some crazy things. They just witnessed God take a couple pieces of bread, some fish, bless it, and pass it out to over 5,000 people and gather up baskets, baskets full of food. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen people walk before or with blind, and God touch their eyes, and they see. They've seen people dragged to Jesus that couldn't walk, and Jesus touch them, and they get up and leave um, walking on their own. They've seen people come into Jesus with leprosy, the worst disease of the day, and God heal them, and then walk away totally just normal and well. They've seen God do some crazy, crazy things, and Jesus makes these 12 guys get into the water, and there's 12 people in this boat. And Peter is the only one who says, God, if that's you, tell me to go out there with you. One of the biggest things that I fear that we do wrong as believers is we invite God to be with us instead of us asking God if we can be with him. One of the biggest dangers that we face as believers is we get into something and rather us saying, God, man, if that's you, then, then let me, man, call me out there to you. We get into a situation and we invite God to be a part of our situation instead of asking God if we can be a part of his 
And I don't know what your storm looks like this year, but can I just be a prophet real fast? And not because I'm a prophet, but just because it's true. (laughs) 2013, there's going to be a storm that hits you. It's going to hit all of us. We don't know what it is. We don't know when it's going to Maybe some of us right now are in the middle of of a storm, and we're surrounded by waves, and we're scared to death. Can Can I just say one of the smartest things that you can pray in that moment is, God, whatever's going on, can I come and be with you? I love how Peter words this. He just says, I mean, just point blank. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. What would it look like if this year you stopped asking God to be a part of what you're doing and started asking God if you could be a part of what he was doing? How would that change how you live this year? Do you realize there's 12 men in this boat that have saw God do amazing things and only one of them gets out? It's about 8%, a little over 8%. I wonder... What would the valley look like if a little over 8% of us asked if we could join God? If you look at some stuff in here, it says, verse 29, Jesus says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. You notice Jesus says, come, and it's not, the next line isn't. And then Peter got down and prayed and said, God, if you really want me to come out on water, Please tell me again, but this time in Latin. And then Jesus said, come in Latin, and then Peter said, prayed. I think another thing that we do as believers that, that's really sketchy with our faith is we know what we're supposed to do, but instead of doing it, we spend time praying about it. And don't get me wrong, prayer is super important, and we definitely should pray about things. But when God has told us to do something, why do we need to pray about that? If God has told us to do something, you don't need to pray about it. You just need to be obedient. One of the worst things for Peter to have done in this moment would have been like, okay, Jesus, I'll be right there. I got to pray first, though. Hold on. How horrible would that have been? He just said, God, if that's you, man, tell me to come out. And Jesus says, come. And Peter's response, man, get this, get this image in your head for just a second. They're in a boat that most likely had about four and a half foot sides to the boat, which I don't know the stern. I don't know any of that stuff because I can't swim, so I hate boats. But the, the sides of the boat were most likely about four to four and a half feet tall. Peter sees Jesus and says, all right, God, if that's you, tell me to come out. And Jesus says, yeah, it's me, come on. And Peter, I I don't see him going, oh, wait, maybe that was a bad, hold on, let me think about this. I I see Peter saying, yeah, and running to the edge of the boat and doing whatever he can to high jump over the side of the boat, hurdling it, getting out into the water and running out to where Jesus was. I I don't see him doing it sheepishly. I don't see him doing it with, with much care to what's going to happen to him. I don't see him thinking, ooh, I'll get a splinter. Um, I don't see him going, do I have my life vest on? I, I don't see him running through this list of, of ch- this checklist of safety nets. I see him hearing the voice of God, seeing God doing something crazy, asking if he can be a part of it. God saying, dude, come on, join me, and him rushing to where Jesus is. What would the valley look like if 8% of us 
adopted this to our life. We looked to where we saw God doing something crazy. We asked if we could join him. When God says, come on, we stopped everything that we were doing and we ran out to be a part of it. Imagine what would happen to this place if we did that. What's sad is the, realistically, we're going to be like the 92% of the people who sat in the boat and thought, why is Peter so stupid? <laughs> Seriously, he's going to walk on water? Um, that's not very smart. Why would he get out of the boat? And they're going to second guess, and they're going to go home and experience the exact same thing they'd experienced really up until that point of their life, which was a boat ride. Do you understand that 12 people got in a boat, but one of them had a different story when they docked that boat? And think about this for a minute. You're 90, and you're talking to your kids, and you're hanging out with your friends, and you're sitting there, and you're like, hey, you remember that time we went and we were in the boat? And they were like, yeah, dude, then the storm was crazy. We thought we were going to die. Um, yeah, I remember that. And Peter's the only one in that group that gets to look up and say, hey, you remember what it was like to walk on? Oh, no, you don't remember what it was like. You were in the boat. Let me tell you what it's like. His story was so different than everybody else's. He experienced something that nobody else experienced. And it was all because he wanted to be where God was. Now, the, the rest of this, if you go down just a little bit farther, um, like verse 30, we, we get into where you've, you probably have heard this message before. It says, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, you of little faith, which I wonder who he says that sentence to. We assume it's Peter. But I wonder if he says that to Peter looking at the men in the boat. Because it could have been a dance party in the water. And instead it was just Jesus and Peter. You have little faith, he said, why, do you, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. We, we see this, and it, it's easy to get hung up on the fact that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. And that's, that's an important thing we need to, to grab hold of here, is when we get out and we go wherever God is, we're, we're following whatever that moment is. One of the best things that we can do is to keep focused on God, is to keep our eyes strapped on Jesus, is to keep our, our attention where God is and to keep focused on him. And, and there's, there's some huge, profound truths found in this that once we take our eyes off of God is when life really starts to spiral out of control. The wind didn't pick up when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. The, the storm didn't get louder when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. It's just that Peter took his eyes off of the Savior and put him on the problem, and that's when he began to sink. And I, and I love this because Jesus is right there with him, and it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then they walked back into the boat, and the wind died down, and the storm was over. Then you have 11 people in the boat thinking, I could have walked on water just now. One of the biggest things that we're going to have in life is a regret of things that we've never done. I don't know of anybody, and I, I love to talk to, to senior adults because they're smart. 
Man, they, they've experienced things. They, they know things. They, they've experienced so much in their life, and they have such a vast knowledge around them. And I have yet to hear anybody, anybody with any age in them that, that has told me things that they've regretted, and it's things that they've done. I, I have never sat with, a, with older adults, and, and they talk about their life and think, man, I wish I never would have done this. The only regrets I've heard from, from senior adults as I sat and talked with them is, man, I wish I would have done this. I wonder what would have happened in my life if I w- would have done this. And one of the biggest regrets we're going to have when this life is, is said and done, I think, is going to be decisions that we didn't make, choices that we didn't follow through with, opportunities that we had to do something. I, I see these disciples sitting back two weeks from this moment thinking, oh my goodness, I had a chance to walk on water, and I wonder how many of them rode the boat back out and jumped out to see if it would work, and then sank, and then tried it again. That's what I would have done. Peter, who we really rag on for this because he took his eyes off of Christ, he's the only one that got out and did something crazy. What would this place look like if we adopted that to us? What, what would that be for you? What would be one of the crazy things where you saw God doing something around you, where you've seen God move, you've seen him in action around you, and you know that it's God, you know that he's doing something great. What's keeping you from getting out of your safety net and following him? One of the biggest, the biggest steps I ever took was ministry, because just to be honest, I hate what I'm doing right now. I am terrified of you. I'm, I'm sitting here in front of you and probably 90% of this room is more educated than I am. I am horrified I'm going to say something and one of you are going to come up and be like, hey, that word didn't, that's not a real word. <laughs> I'm terrified of doing this. My life, what I wanted to do, which I've mentioned this before, I wanted to work in a zoo. It's a lot like youth ministry. <laughs> if I had things my way, I would still be working with, I, I, I raised, this is, sounds really weird, I raised poisonous snakes and insects for a living before I gave my life to ministry. I, I built terrariums for zoos and science museums and, and built enclosures for animals, and I loved it, and I, it was one of the few things I've ever done in my life that I thought I was really good at. And I loved finding out what type of animal it was and researching it and finding out, you know, humidity levels and what type of substrate and, like, ground it needed to have and building an enclosure for that and making this really beautiful work of art that you could put a living animal in and it would be something that people would come and want to stare at for hours in a zoo or a science museum. And I did that for so long and I loved it and I thought, man, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a missionary to all these evolutionists that work in science museums and zoos. And that's totally what I was content with. And I was, man, I was spending internships um, at different zoos. I was going all over Texas to different zoos. I was, I was in a position to follow with what I wanted to do. And then God interrupted my life. And he interrupted my life by giving me one person who said, hey, Tim, why don't you work this lock-in this Saturday? Come and hang out with us. And God interrupted my life. And looking back at it now, it wasn't really an interruption. It was an, it was an invitation to what he had really built me for. 
And I wonder what, what would it look like? What are some of the things that God is doing around you? What are some of the areas that you see God moving that you could join him? And some of it, man, please hear me on this. Some of it you need to pray about and say, God, is this really where you want me to go? God, is this really what you have for my life? God, is this where you want me to, to be a part of? But when you get that answer back, like Peter heard from Jesus, this yes, come, it's time to put action to that. My mom has this really profound saying. Um, she said, just because you call yourself a tree doesn't make you a tree. And I never understood what it meant. All the way through high school, I was like, why does my mom like trees? Um, and so many of us claim to have this great faith. We claim to have all these things, but we don't have any obedience behind it. And so what, what would it look like? I just want to challenge you this morning to think for a second. What would your world look like? Where do you see God moving around you? What are some areas of your life that God is... Man, he, he's throwing signs, he's, he's causing storms, he's, he's doing things around you to try to get your attention, to try to invite you to do something that few people have ever done. Imagine for just a minute if Lynn, if Pastor Lynn never would have stepped out of youth ministry at that invitation of God to, to build Cornerstone. Imagine, imagine what would happen if we never accepted that invitation. And it's easy to do because many of us won't. And again, just being realistic, many of us will go home and we'll watch football and we'll get sucked into the day of Sunday and... Jesus is going to still be out on the water saying, dude, come on, and we're going to be praying about it. <laughs> One in 12 had a completely different story. <laughs> Do you remember experiencing God just a few months back, the series that we did? Um, I, I've done that that Bible study several times and, and just being in ministry for a while, that's one of the, man, it's one of the best Bible studies out there. If you're looking for one and you weren't here for that, I would really challenge you to, to get the Experiencing God books and to go through that. The thing, every time I do that book study and every time I, I, I go through that, the thing that sticks out to me the most is there, there's right in the very beginning of it, it says when you see God move, follow it. When, when you see God doing something crazy, one of the best things that we can do as believers is to follow that movement of God. What would it look like if just around 8% of us today did something crazy? And, and don't get me wrong, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that some of you should quit your jobs. This, this isn't, I don't want you calling me Monday and be like, hey, I quit my job. Um, some of you be like, dude, that's not smart. Um, but maybe God is asking you to do something with your job. Maybe the whole reason that God has placed you in that situation is for you to be vocal about who he is, and maybe it's time we start showing people who Jesus is in our life and stop telling them and beating Jesus over the head. Maybe we should start living the love of God and be vocal about it, definitely, but maybe if we lived it out, we wouldn't have to be quite as vocal. 
What would it look like in your neighborhood, guys, if, if we stepped up and we were a visible sign of Christ, if we got out of the boat and did something amazing that God is calling us to do in our environments? I think it would drastically change the valley. I think it would change your family. I think it would change you. Because really, as I read this story, um, I think Peter was different that day. And if you skip ahead just a little bit in Matthew 16, Jesus looks to Peter and he says, you know what, dude, upon you, I'm going to build the church. Matthew 16, 18, upon you, I'm going to build this, man, and, and even, even the game, there's, there's nothing that's going to rattle against what I'm going to build through you and through this church. For many of us, and this is what scare, this, this gets scary to me, many of us have taken the gospel of Jesus and we've painted it way too small. We've made the gospel more about sin management and less about a call to change the world. I feel like God is calling us to do something crazy this year. And I feel like 2013 is gonna be nuts. I can't wait. I've been here now for two Christmases, and last year, Lynn, did, we did the whole thing with, man, God in 3D, and it was this crazy cool message of when, this last week of, of watching the random acts that, that brought the story together, and these random things that God has done to get you to this moment, and I, I think in 2013, if we would start following and start putting some obedience to some of this, this place is going to be... It's going to be nuts. We've got one tent over here. We're going to look like Circus Vargas. There's going to be tents everywhere. Um, there's going to be people all over this campus. There's going to be 160 people giving their lives to Christ. It's going to be nuts what God is going to do, but we're going to have to get out of the boat and follow him. So my question for us this morning is simple. Um, what would it look like if 8% of us, that, that's, I, I, every time I say that, it, it that sounds ridiculous. What would it look like if 92% of us got out of the boat and did something crazy this year? Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for, um, God, I, I thank you for the, just the, the fact that when storms are going on around us, God, that it's not something that you leave us out um, on our own. It's not something that we get stuck in by ourselves. But God, is, when storms hit around us and, and things are going on, in our, um, God, I thank you for the fact that you're there with us. And God, this morning, I just pray that whatever that is, God, that right now as we continue to worship and God, as we spend some time maybe even just thinking about this, God, I pray that you would begin to show us what these storms are in our lives, God, what these imitations are and the things that maybe we've been upset about it, that we've seen as, um, as distractions, and God, that we've seen as, um, as an attack, possibly even. God, I pray that, that we would see this as an invitation from you to do something that few people have ever done. And God, right now, I just pray for, for us as a whole, God, and, and for me, that you would give me the courage to step out, God, that, that this wouldn't be a hypocritical message where I'm standing up here telling everybody else to do something that I'm not willing to do. So God, would you start with me, and whatever this looks like in my world, God, would you give me the courage to follow Peter's example? But Jesus, for the people in this room right now, God, that, that are, man, maybe right now they, they have that idea. Maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe they've, God, you've called him to go to, to Africa or to South Phoenix. 
God, maybe you've called them to go somewhere and they keep fighting it. Jesus, I just pray that you would give us courage today to step out of the boat and maybe be terrified doing it, but God, to follow you and to listen to your command, God, and to, to put action to the faith that we say that we have. And Jesus, in doing so, I, I just pray that you would make this place different. And God, that you would change the valley. 